What's up, everybody? We are recording this on Sunday night um, in our bathrobes and super musty because we've had a long day, long week, and a crazy summer. Um, but things are finally winding down and we're transitioning to fall. We had the pleasure of interviewing Amanda Lehman earlier this week, which is what we're going to share with you today. Uh, Amanda is a competitive weightlifter. She has dabbled in CrossFit, was a collegiate athlete, um, and just a person who is very wise and knowledgeable. And I think that we talked about a lot of different things that are very prevalent to all people, whether you're into fitness or not. So um, I think that you'll really get a lot of value out of this. I know that I did. Um, and if you're looking for an Olympic coach, or Olympic, Olympic weightlifting coach, I'd suggest Amanda. I had a session with her, as did Roy, um, earlier today, and she did an awesome job. So we can say that she's also a great coach. For sure. So hopefully you enjoy the interview. Um, we will be back in two weeks' time. We're actually going on a short, uh, somewhat vacation. We're just going to Wisconsin, but it's going to be nice to get a little getaway. And then we'll be back um, providing you with more content, stuff you want to hear. Hopefully. Let us know. We actually got our first batch of t-shirts done, so be on the lookout for that if you want to grab one. Um, and that's it. All right, enjoy. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Intention listeners. We're here with Amanda. Um, she's our interview guest for season three. Um, Amanda, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I don't really, I don't know what to say officially. I'm Amanda. Uh, I'm an athlete at Los Campeones Gym. Roy and Genesis actually write my programming um I don't know what else to say that's about it I wish I could say that I helped but Roy's just like do you think this sounds good and I'm like she can do that that's like a lot <laughs> that's helpful that's really great In yeah. input is important um Amanda what do you do for work yeah, I currently work for Target. I am a team lead at uh, the Uptown location. Um, my job is really interesting because I manage like the largest team of people at that particular store. So I'm responsible for making sure the beauty department, the style department, and the front end um, all run well. So... Like I set all of the planograms and it's a tremendous amount of work. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Did you work at the um, Lake Street Target? Before no. Everything went down. No, I never worked at that one. Obviously the Uptown one is just up Lake Street and it was looted. Um, so we were closed for about a month, which was definitely like really interesting. I don't think mm -hmm. many people can say that they've been in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was, like, really, like, low-key, super pumped about, I think, how, like, leadership handled it because everybody was more so concerned about the safety of all of us yeah. rather than, like, the materials that were stolen. Like, we didn't really care about any of that. And, like, so how did that go over with COVID? Like, did – how did management take care of that initially? Um, initially I think it was like, <laughs> I think everybody was just running around kind of frantic, um, because there was all that information that was like coming in and like learning how to dissect it and then make it. So it felt, 
um, practical to your business was like really challenging. So right away it was like, okay, we're going to reintroduce all these cleaning measures. And like, now we have to order all this cleaning stuff, but Target's going to push it to us. So we have enough for the team. And like, Mm -hmm. then it was the mask mandates and like, our store was one of the first stores in the entire state that allowed or mandated guests having to wear it in the store. And so that was like another challenge because other targets weren't doing it, but like we were. So um, (laughs) it's been a very interesting 2020 uh, to say the least. So I think we can kind of go in two directions here. We can either start by talking more athletic background or we can talk more about um, kind of your schooling and what you're doing now in terms of um, like independent. I know you're very big on reading and staying active um, in the current social justice movement. Um, So which one would you like, which road would you like to go down? Do you have a preference? I say whatever is valuable to your uh, show. Well, I think they both could be. Jen, do you have a preference? Which Um, direction you want to go first? Let's do the, like, fitness or athletic background. Because we've talked a little bit about it, but I think, like, I think that you have a really cool background, and it's definitely evolved a lot. For sure, yeah. So... Oh, so I grew up um, and I would consider myself, you know, pretty athletic. I played hockey for like 14 years. Um, So that was like a huge part of my life. I was in the ice arena. I mean, I have older siblings. And so um, my brother was a goalie and my sister played hockey too. So I pretty much just grew up like in an ice arena. um, And I knew that that was like something I wanted to do. My mom jokingly bought me uh, figure skates for like a Christmas mm-hmm. present one time and my dad and I returned them uh, <laughs> for hockey skates. Like it was just, that was it. That was like what I wanted to do. So I took that really seriously and I actually had an opportunity to like play collegiately, but I didn't, <laughs> funny fact, like I didn't like the colleges because I would have had to go to church. Oh. Uh, And that like was something that I kind of was like unwavering on Mm -hmm. um, because I couldn't really foresee myself like attending um, church services just to play hockey. So it was like, Um, it was like private colleges, like, yeah, like B3 level private colleges. um, And that just like, wasn't for me in the moment, Uh, which happy I never did to Mm -hmm. be honest. So Forgive me, Amanda, but did you grow up here in Minnesota? Yeah, I am from Richfield. Um, That's my parents still live there. Um, Nothing really fun there. (laughs) So where did you end up going to college? Yeah, I went to UW River Falls um, and I actually played collegiate lacrosse there. And we went to nationals. That's like the only sport that I've been a national athlete in in my entire life. So did you find that it like the transition came really naturally to you? Yeah, it was. I mean, hand-eye coordination was like still all there. Um, It felt really weird to like learn how to cradle at first just because it's, you know, upright in front of your body Mm -hmm. opposed to down below like your waist. Um, But 
all of like the mechanics were still there. I got in trouble a lot though for being like a little too aggressive. Um, <laughs> just cause you know, in hockey, you, you can use your body. You can't check in women's sports, um, which is unfortunate, but like in women's lacrosse, it especially, I would say is closer and correct me if I'm wrong, but like it's closer to the original way that lacrosse was intended to be played Mm -hmm. rather than how like men's has it's just like grown men hitting each other across the face with sticks yeah um and so you know there's a little bit more of like skill and intricacies like involved Mm -hmm. in that game so it was really fun to learn a new skill and be really good at it so I I loved it that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so then when did kind of like lifting, um, strength and conditioning, when did the weight room come into the picture? Did you, did they have you go into the weight room for hockey in high school? Did you kind of seek it out independently? What is your journey um, in the weight room looked like? Yeah, so we were expected to um, participate in summer programming. So it was almost kind of like a, a guilt trip by like the varsity coaches essentially. Um, and I, I was on varsity when I was in eighth grade. So I was expected to pretty much like be in the weight room every summer. Um, I do really think that they messed up as far as those coaches are concerned. Sorry, you guys. Um, but they never really taught us like actual lifting mechanics. I didn't learn a clean. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know like a snatch. I think we never even back squatted, which is like wild to me. Yeah. Um, it was all plyometric based training. And so we all had like our own sandbags that we were expected to do, you know, jump squats and like walking lunges and hand-eye coordination with like speed balls and stuff like that. Um, it was never like real time mm-hmm. squatting, benching, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of feel slighted in a little, like in a couple of ways, cause yeah. I feel like had that foundation been laid potentially where I'm at right now as an athlete would, would be different. Yeah. And I, if I could speak on that, um, it definitely doesn't sound like what they were doing was optimal by any, by any means. Um, and I do think like building that foundation for young athletes is incredibly important. Um, some of the elements that I, cause, cause I do work with a lot of younger kids. Some of the things that I think are really important in that are, like you said, first building like a movement foundation, teaching them how to squat, how to hinge, just how to move and be comfortable with the barbell. I also think like competing and making it fun is a huge element because you don't want them to hate the weight room, Mm -hmm. keeping things short and sweet. Um, There are just a lot of things that sounds like coaches maybe could have done better, but um, it didn't stop you and you continued to lift from there. So what did, can I interject? Yeah, go ahead. So I thought that was also um, really interesting because there's like not an, the way that you described it, there's not an emphasis on like, getting stronger or or building your body especially doing like those types of movements and me as like a young teenager or somebody like just going through puberty I'm already thinking like okay I have to look like this and I can't be like too big and everybody that I look up to looks like this I think it would have been really helpful um to have had like a more strength centered program when I was growing up do you feel 
that it affected your body image or like the way that you looked at yourself? For sure. Yeah. Um, my, so my hockey coach, like for varsity, she was, she played D one for the Gophers and she was like this very lean, um, I mean, ripped abs, like just an incredible physique. And like, that's what we were looking at, you know, Mm -hmm. as girls and like you hit puberty and different things happen for different people. But I, you know, my body was like, that's cool fat. Like we're going to put it on your hips and we're going to make you look very like womanly um, and curvaceous at a young age. And like, good luck navigating that Amanda. Mm -hmm. And so you were definitely like exposed to this tremendous athlete, right? This D one hockey player. Mm -hmm. And you were like, Oh no, I do not look like that. And I never will. Mm. So it, yeah, that was a tough, I mean, and I'm 31 now and I'm still navigating that, which we can dive into, I presume later, but yeah, I think body image is always a, is a challenging road for women athletes for sure. Yeah. And what were you going to say? Well, I have one more thing on that. You mentioned just how important it is to build a, a, a foundation of strength. And I totally agree with that because it's a, a big talking point for strength coaches, at least a lot of the coaches that I follow that like a back squat, a big back squat does not make a better athlete. And to a certain degree, I agree. I don't think going from 500 pounds to 600 pounds is going to make a huge difference for you on the field. But until you have like a base of strength and you're actually building some tissue and some resiliency, um, then getting strong should be the main priority. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like to me what they had you doing should have come after building that foundation um, mm-hmm. which is just just interesting to, to think about and to talk about um, especially for us since Jen was working at Creighton Durham with mm-hmm. um, younger kids yeah like I said I work with a lot of younger kids so um, I'm always interested to hear what other coaches are doing and try and learn from it um, but moving on so going forward after I guess you were probably mostly doing um your college strength coaches program when you were playing lacrosse. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about what that looked like and then kind of where you went from there? Because I know that you spent some time doing CrossFit, coaching CrossFit. Um, You've spent a lot of time doing Olympic weightlifting and then you can bridge us to where you kind of where you are now. Yeah. So college was actually a super interesting time. Uh, I, it was miraculous that we made it to nationals because I think uh, we drank more. (laughs) then we like worked out I'll be completely honest with you like I wish that I had this grandiose like thing to share about that experience I just think it was like a weird hodgepodge collection of like talented athletes that like eked our way to a national you know tournament and I I still like am reveling in the fact that we did that because we definitely drank like all the time together so it's really weird um and it's really weird now because I'm eight years sober so even thinking back on like college I'm like who was I and what was that what was going on so um at the end of my college career so I graduated in 2012 I actually weighed um 200 pounds uh at my heaviest and I'm like a tall-ish 5'5 Uh, really long femur. So I think my body is like deceiving the people. Um, But I was completely out of shape, extremely unhealthy. Uh, I love pizza, as we know, but like, you probably (laughs) shouldn't eat that every day kind of thing. So I developed some pretty bad habits um, in college that are somewhat normalized 
right? Like binge drinking and, and all of that stuff. Um, And it wasn't until like I graduated college and then at the same time um, I was in the process of like leaving my abuser um, that I kind of like snapped out of that Mm -hmm. kind of part of my life. And so I got sober um, and I started taking the gym much more seriously. Um, I started working at LA Fitness, kind of dabbling in like bodybuilding um, because I do think that that's like a super accessible form of fitness. I think yeah. that it's a little less scary, mm-hmm. um, than strength sports are for people. And I think that it just ran its course for me. I wasn't getting any stronger. I could barely back squat my own body weight. Like that seems egregious, you know? Um, and so I was like, all right, I don't, I don't really know what's left for me. Maybe I should try CrossFit. Mm-hmm because those athletes look impressive. Like I'm scared. Yeah. Like (laughs) they seem flexible or something. Uh, and so I was like, well, maybe this will be a good chance to get stronger. Yeah. So I joined a CrossFit gym. So like, that's where you learned how to clean and jerk and snatch. Not at first. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I think a really interesting conversation about the sport of CrossFit um, is that some gyms prioritize certain things. Okay. Some gyms, like the first gym that I started at when I was living in Nevada, um, they definitely prioritized like speed and wanting to get the top score in a workout so go as fast as you can maybe worry about your form later and awful it sounds yeah very scary (laughs) yeah They they were great coaches um and I definitely don't feel like I was ever moving inappropriate amounts of weight Mm -hmm. but they believed kind of in like the CrossFit Inc way of teaching things which is like one size fits all Okay. Which, as we know, is is actually incorrect. (laughs) Never, ever true. (laughs) Yeah. We all have different levers. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. And so you if you're a good coach, you need to tailor Mm -hmm. um, your cues, your coaching, all of that to that specific athlete. And I just don't feel like there was enough of that. So it wasn't until I actually moved back to Minnesota that I joined the gym that I used to work for. They were called CrossFit Kingfield. I think they're just called Kingfield now because of the whole CrossFit, Mm -hmm. um, you know, fiasco and affiliations. Um, And they prioritized barbell movements, which is where I fell in love with Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. Um, In terms of like... So you were talking a little bit about like how you got sober and then kind of moved into like strength uh, or not strength sports, but like fitness. My dad did a super similar thing. So my dad um, was an addict to like many different, I guess he still is, but um, he's recovering. So, but then right after that, he hopped like right into um, powerlifting mostly and like bodybuilding. Do you feel like there were some negative things? things that came along with that or do you think it was like a super positive transition for you uh I think somewhere in the middle actually I think 
the reason that I love weightlifting uh, was because I feel really empowered as a woman to mm -hmm. put more than I weigh over my head. Not a lot of people can say that they can do that. Yeah. And so sometimes it was training from a, a place of thinking, okay, this person can't hurt me anymore because I could put them over my head. Oh, so yeah. what kind of control do they have over me? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it was just like, you know, pure joy of, Hey, I'm still here. Yeah. Uh, Cause full disclosure, it was a, it was a pretty dangerous situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, there were some days where I actually wasn't sure I was going to wake up the next day. Yeah. Well, that's, Kind of on that, and of course, you're welcome to share as much or as little as you'd like. The one question I have is kind of what made you kind of take back control, if you will. And I know that I, I struggle with the language around the situation, um, but I just, you kind of said that you were in a, a messy situation with an abuser and at that point in time your fitness was not where you wanted it to be was there like what did something happen what was there an attitude shift what made you kind of like move on to the next phase of your life if you if you get what i'm saying yeah i think uh as like a survivor um you're faced with two hard truths and it's either you continue down a road that might be destructive because you know you often feel alone misunderstood judged ostracized what have you um for me that just wasn't like an option i felt like i had wasted enough hours and time on somebody that was super undeserving and so it was time to invest back in myself um and fitness just felt like it kind of occupied that space a little bit mm -hmm you know, I'm sure in some capacity it was replacing my addiction to alcohol, you know, um, with training and with weightlifting. Uh, cause as we know, it's a very like, uh, meticulous sport and you have mm -hmm. to be very mindful and spatially aware and calm and attentive. And so I think that my personality traits, uh, and uh, just wanting to feel like mm, not validated per se, but in control, right? Yeah, so yeah, I get that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I really um, appreciate it. Um, so next, if you don't mind, I'd like it if you took us through a little bit of um, kind of like your competition days, competing mm -hmm. in Olympic weightlifting. Uh, maybe if you remember, I know you you place very high in some competitions. You are obviously a really good lifter. So if you could kind of uh, do the bragging thing for a little bit, I would appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm like, not, I'm like super not good at. Um, well, yeah. So one day I was just hanging out, kind of minding my business in the CrossFit gym, but was getting really flustered. I suck at kipping pull-ups. I was peeved with double unders, mm. those intricate skills, I just do not have like patience for. And I really didn't care about getting better <laughs> at those. I was like, if I hit my face one more time with this jump rope, like I'm going to throw it across the building. Um, and I think they were just kind of picking up on that. And one of my coaches who also was a hockey player, 
um, collegiately, like he was semi-professional, so very impressive wow. athlete as well. He was like, yo, do you like maybe just want to pick up a barbell and do weightlifting? Because I think you'd be like hella good. And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I just can't do kipping pull-ups anymore. Like, I'm so done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, right around that time, I was doing a cut purely for aesthetics, um, just to see what, like, w- how I could recomposition my body uh, mm-hmm. for funsies because I had access to a dietitian. Um, and I was oh, like, cool. yeah, sweet, let's do it. Um, and I got down to a very measly, like 123, uh, which, yeah, you guys are, your faces right now, (laughs) cause you know, like what I look like and being five, five and weighing 123 pounds is actually, um, extremely unhealthy. So (laughs) I lifted as a 58 kilo for probably like a year and I think I placed first in at least like three competitions wow as a 58 um only only because I was stronger than like some of the like the 58s were like children because it was like <laughs> a tiny weight class right yeah. um, but I still have first place medals to prove it uh and then amanda if you don't mind do you remember um maybe what your total was or some of your best lifts when you're at that lower weight yeah i could always uh, um snatch at least like 60 60 kilos um oh wow that's a lot uh and my like best snatch right now is still hanging right around 64 which is the weight class that i would likely compete in if i were to like cut um and compete again and that number is not budging let me tell you what yeah it hasn't budged in quite a while so challenge accepted I suppose yeah. um and I I don't remember at 58 maybe like 77 kilos for my clean and jerk my best right now is 82 uh so like humble numbers uh I so just for reference, because I'm not sure everybody is familiar with kilos and the conversions. So you're snatching it over 130 pounds easily at whatever 58 kilograms is. What's that like in pounds? Like 124.5. Um, 124. So you would know. easily over your body weight. And for those of you who don't know what a snatch is, it's literally picking someone something off the ground and getting it up over your head and squatting it up. So, But it has to look – I mean, it's, it's prettier than that. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, anything else you want to highlight on in terms of like competing in Olympic weightlifting? I mean, I was also doing CrossFit competitions in the interim. So I did granite games like two times, uh, which was like a wild, crazy experience. The granite games is so fun. They've, I feel like bastardized it now because it's one of like the qualifying, um, competitions for professional CrossFit athletes, which is a bummer because it was right in our back door at St. Cloud. You got all your friends together. You like rented out of a space or an Airbnb. You crashed for the weekend and competed in three days where you had like five events each day. And I mean, like I had to swim 400 meters one year and I was 
livid. I was so upset. <laughs> and then I had to run a mile after that, no. which I did it all in my weightlifting singlet in like silent protest. Cause I was so upset about that event. <laughs> that's literally insane. Like, I feel like for people who do CrossFit, they're like, yeah, that's normal. But for like me who we just swam out to the buoys like two days ago and I had to like lay on my back in the water. I was like, this is way too hard. I am yeah. way too heavy for this, but people yeah. are so jacked and buff and it just, that's like mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. That's a, that definitely says a lot about you as an athlete that you were like able to be so strong, but like still have that endurance yeah rip rip i don't know where it's at <laughs> so <laughs> maybe you can find it <laughs> with that said kind of what are what are some of your goals now in training i mean i already know most of this but for the listeners what what are you training for now why do you do it why do you go bring yourself to the gym a couple more than a couple times a week to get get some work done honestly i still feel like it serves as an antidepressant uh for me low-key just it makes me happy to still be active and i think that when i think about fitness and health and wellness it should be exactly that it should be for longevity Mm -hmm. um i think you know folks don't understand that to age actively is to age successfully Um, because I want to still be moving and grooving, you know, when I'm in my fifties and my Mm sixties, I see my father, for example, has already had back surgery because he was a truck driver his whole life and did nothing but sit and then maybe tend to his yard because that was his favorite activity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just saw him the other day and he's looking, you guys, he's looking pretty old. Mm. Um, and I would like to just continue to stay active, um, in, you know, my growing age. Um, although that comes with its barriers and challenges as I'm, I'm learning in my early thirties. Um, but I mean, I still just like, love it. Like I love snatching and I love cleaning. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, like it's such a fun sport. It's super mean. Um, but it's so fun and very rewarding when you finally like nail it, you know? Yeah, I really feel what you said about like lifting as an antidepressant. And also, I like one of my favorite things about lifting is not like actually what I lift. It's just the quality time that like I get to spend with myself, which like I'm all for people lifting in groups. And I'm sure that's fun once in a while, but I really enjoy like the solitude of, and I don't even have to have like my headphones in of just, you know, I'm in my head the whole time and I'm not really like having conversation with anybody. I'm just thinking about like um, the task in front of me and then how I'm going to do it. Cause powerlifting is like, um, it's not technically very hard, but it's just super daunting because it's like, how much weight can you lift? Um, so I think like for me, it's been like an antidepressant and just kind of a challenge. Like I'm always progressing in some way, even if it's like, yeah, I just graduated college and like, I don't have a job yet, but my squat went up. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) Is it my turn? Yeah. Um, well, I really like the perspective you gave and I can, in some ways I can in no way relate to the situation you were in, um, with your abuser 
or anything like that. But there's, there's been some valleys for me and fitness has been a huge outlet for me as well to kind of, it, it gives you some self-efficacy and it's, it's kind of in your hands um, for us, for, for all people, but especially us able-bodied people to kind of take the reins and get out there and push yourself and make yourself uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I really appreciate the perspective you both gave and something that's been super fun with me is just exploring different types of training um, too, because it's pretty endless. I mean, there'll always be something you can get better at. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you guys said. Um, Wait, you want to move on? Yeah, I think, so you, you can go ahead. Yeah. All right. So obviously you're a three-dimensional person and you don't just hang out at the gym all day. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like your background in journalism, I believe it was. Um, and like how that affects your day-to-day -day life and like the person that you are now. Yeah, good. Yeah, good question. So <laughs> journalism is wild. <laughs> Let's just wrap that up. Like it's a, uh, I went into school, um, like a lot of 18 year olds without a lot of direction of where I wanted to go with my life. Um, I just was always told that I was a very great writer um, and that I could articulate my thoughts very well. So to me, it was either English, which didn't yeah. feel awesome, like a suitable, like I was like, what do English teachers or like majors do these days? Um, and then so journalism felt more of like a concrete plan. Um, and I, I really loved the journalism department at UW River Falls. Um, I think everybody that had a hand in my development there was like out, they were outstanding people. I had access to so many things that I don't think I would have if I went to like a bigger university. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, on the radio station, I had a show called Shenanigans that was really funny. Uh, and then I was like the news director and the executive producer. Then I had an internship with WCCO uh, radio. Yeah, before I graduated, like it was, you had to do all that stuff, right? Um, to get noticed. Yeah. Uh, and then I never did in Minneapolis, we're a giant, giant media network. Um, and so it's really hard for college graduates to land a job yeah um so I moved I packed up my whole life and moved out to Reno Nevada uh had never even been to Nevada didn't know anybody there but I was like down for the adventure because I was young so I took the opportunity um and I was a news producer for an NBC affiliate called KRNV um and I did that for about a year and a couple of months until I just couldn't couldn't do it anymore and came home. Wow. Uh, I never knew that. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> because you literally have the story in your hands. Kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to think about all sides. Or I mean, I guess you don't technically have to think about all sides. Um, because a lot of news networks don't do that. But wow. So like, you know, analyzing the whole situation, first COVID. And then the civil rights movement um, that were that has been like coming on for decades, um, centuries. centuries. Well, I mean, like there was the first civil rights. <laughs> <laughs> um, <All well. laughs> that was supposed to like do something. Um, but so, how has it been for you to 
analyze it. Like, do you feel like you reacted to it differently than other people because of your background? Yes, I do. So I share this story often, um, but I was working for that NBC affiliate when Michael Brown was killed Mm. um, in Ferguson. And, you know, I took my sociology, I have a, a minor in sociology as well. And you can't talk about news without talking about race and class. And so those two, um, my major and my minor, like worked really well together. We talked about prison. We talked about race. We talked about all of that stuff. Um, And I was really challenged, I think, in college because those are things that I had never really like sat with, Mm -hmm. right? And, And like thought about. So when... Michael Brown died um, and was murdered, right? Um, I remember feeling extremely torn and conflicted because I'm, I'm sitting here with two computers. I'm trying to write this breaking news segment and report on it as unbiased as I can, but all I'm getting is three different stories about what transpired. And so, of course, my natural reaction, because I'm an inquisitive person, was to say, like, well, what really happened? Mm-hmm. Like, what's really going on, right? Um, and NBC reported it one way, which was, I, I would say, more straight to the facts. CNN, um, to put them on blast, was very, like, sensationalized. So they loved to, like, put in extra characteristics characteristics of him as a human being oh he smoked weed and oh he listened to rap and Mm -hmm. so we were being you know really like uh, storytelling when it didn't truthfully matter and then associated press which again is just like straight to the facts as facts can be um so i think that now i listen to a lot of npr i feel like that's always on in my house in the car um as biases go, like, I feel like it strives to be as unbiased as possible. But, you know, in a capitalistic society, when a lot of corporations control our news, Mm -hmm. you have to question what information you're getting and where and who is it benefiting. Yeah. Speaking on that, I listen to NPR every morning and they're like, we should mention that Facebook is a sponsor of NPR. And then they like report a story on it. And I'm like, uh like that's weird (laughs) yeah i think the transparency is good and i'm also an avid npr and mpr um listener i know that there is not um as much as many voices from different backgrounds as there should be um and i hope i think and i hope that they're working on it but there are definitely some great productions um from those companies so i'm a big fan as well um one question i have is if you could urge people to um, think about, research, discuss, um, like any few issues right now, what's most pressing for you at this point in time? Um, what, what is occupying your thoughts when it comes to how we move forward as a society with everything that has happened and led up to this point? Yeah, um, right now I'm reading a book called Hood Feminism, actually. I wish that I had the author pulled up, but I don't. Um, obviously being like, well, not obviously, but as an abuse survivor, I think that's when, uh, my love for feminism, um, kind of blossomed. Um, and I 
definitely feel like feminism is always on the forefront of my brain. Um, and so I would highly recommend that book because it is all about the liberal white feminist movement and how we are forgetting our biopoc uh, guys and gals. And that's, you know, tremendously important. Um, and it's not discussed pretty much at all. There's so many chapters and useful information in there, um, of, again, of things that I never considered, but we have to start bringing to the table, like access to food, that is a feminist issue. Um, gun violence, that's a feminist issue, all of the above. So highly recommend that book. Um, I did read White Fragility, it's written by a white lady, so that's problematic in itself. Um, but I did at least take things away uh, where I could. So, you know, white privilege is absolutely a thing. It's something that uh, folks have to acknowledge in order to check our egos, right? I mean, I, I feel like most people around me can acknowledge that white privilege is real. Um, but if you can't for whatever reason, then I suggest you read that book as well. It will make you really uncomfortable. I also have the book, um, How to Be Anti-Racist, that I will start when I'm finished with Hood Feminism. So I think the biggest thing for me is obviously like amplifying um, Biopoc voices and relying on them to tell their stories and what we can do better. Because uh, I just think I'm sick of hearing from white people. I'm sick of hearing what you have to say in terms of racial justice. I want addresses of where I can go, meet up, protest, demonstrate, and where I can give my money to. I don't care about really what else you have to say. Um, it should all be about people of color at this point. Amanda, letting them know. <laughs> I'm just, uh, sorry, but that's true. <laughs> no, I, I loved that. Um, yeah, Roy's a big reader. Um, you can't take him to half price books without like a big bag. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sure he's taking notes right now. Um, so I, this is a question I'm really excited about. So how do you hope to impact your athletes, like your fellow lifting buds and the people you work with even outside of your workplace or inside of your workplace? Yeah, I really like this question. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was I want to like be the person that I wish that I had. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I can relate to that a lot. So like, I want to be super attentive. I want to be supportive. And most of all, like, I want to be non-judgmental. There's so much of that that's going on that is saturating the fitness industry. And it is just insidious the way that it's like taking over. Mm -hmm. And I wish more people would just stop because you're ruining that experience and something that is so valuable for so many people by, you know, caring way too much about the weight that I have on my bar and less about worrying about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's a really big theme that I kind of want to like continue with and just unpacking this idea that fitness is only for aesthetic purposes because there is so much more to it. Yeah. And if, again, going back to the feminist stuff, like if we're going to just let the patriarch and those beauty standards control every single thing that we as women do or men, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's more of a hindrance 
on like our daily life and how we show up for our partners, how we show up for our friends, how we show up in the gym, how we show up for ourselves. And I think that um, more people just need to like unpack those negative messages that are swirling around in Instagram land and things like that. Uh, Cause fitness could be so much more than how you look naked. Yeah, I I think that like it's important to learn how to unpack those things when you're at when you're at the gym and when you're actively working on yourself in an environment where other people are also working on themselves. And then I think it's important to remember like at the end of the day, it's not the gym that did that for you, but it was you putting yourself in that environment because I see a lot of people like I mean, you it's very rare to make like a ton of money off of any type of strength sport. Unless you're like um, Thor, half what's his last name? The big guy. Um, <laughs> or, or yeah, I can't even really think of like any super um, rich strength athletes. And so like, um, there's really I can who Steffi Cohen like is she rich? Oh yeah. oh yeah, Russell. yeah. I guess yeah. I don't really follow any of them on Instagram, so I forget that they exist. But like. Um, Um, yeah, but I think like, it's important to remember like, okay, you're a big man at the gym, but like, what are you going to do when you go home? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to treat your family there? If I may, this just ties into a question I wanted to ask later on. Um, and I think, I, I feel that we're all sort of on the same page when it comes to this, um, in that strength is more than how much you can lift. But I want to ask you, Amanda, what does, a, what does strength mean to you? What does a strong person look like? And I think you answered that a little bit when you talked about how you want to impact people. But um, from a more broad sense, what, what does strength mean to you? What does a strong person look like? Yeah, I think about this often because I am like a complex human being. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I definitely think like what makes a truly strong person is the ability to admit when you are wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to acknowledge that you don't have all of the answers mm-hmm. and that you're willing to do the work to be a better person and better is defined by you right like no one else can define that um for you personally but can you be like yo fam i'm so sorry i was wrong and if yeah. you can't I don't know what to tell you. You got to read some books or talk to somebody that you trust because mm-hmm. it's going to be a long, arduous life. Therapy. Yeah, those things. And I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I would not have been able to leave my abuser had it been for the Domestic Abuse Project, that nonprofit here in Minneapolis. Like They saved my life. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of therapy there's no shame behind it. You need to absolutely know how to articulate your feelings and being able to communicate those to people. Um, It's a very important life skill. That's another thing that everybody needs to have access to and in whatever manner is accessible. Yeah. Let's make it more affordable. Do you hear me? (laughs) Oh my God. That's true. So yeah. Did you have something to say? No. Thank you. Um, All right. Let's do some rapid fire questions. Super fun. Do you have any, Ray? Yeah. Um, so 
the first one I wanted to ask, and I think I already know the answer, but what is what is one or some of your favorite foods? Pizza. <laughs> uh, what I figured. Yeah, pizza. I love, oh man, I love burritos. I love nachos. I love anything that's bad for me, truthfully. Yeah. But I also have like a soft spot for like pork dumplings. Oh, what? I love pork dumplings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is interesting. I never would have guessed that. Um, yeah. Clean and jerk or a snatch? Snatch. Way sexier. Ooh, on that same uh line of thinking what is your least favorite lift and why and it doesn't have to be the olympic lifts it could be like an accessory it could be anything honestly a deadlift mm. really yeah i have such you've seen my legs like i have such underdeveloped poor hamstrings and i just am like i don't know how to do this and i always feel like a silly goose because i'm like i don't i'm gonna turn this into a snatch deadlift and not extend and ah. so it makes me just nervous i feel like so i was watching um on youtube like last summer i was watching so it was a crossfitter a power lifter and like um a bodybuilder and they were doing like a deadlift competition and the crossfitter did like way more than the power lifter and I thought that was really interesting because we like to pretend that we're like king of the deadlift when it's really crossfitters and olympic lifters that are like no this is like how you use your body and you move your body because powerlifting is so unathletic so like if you turn it into a snap a little bit of a snatch pull like that's not the worst thing in the world Okay, fair. <laughs> I'm just yeah. always trying to like learn new things. So I'm like, really, do you need to clean deadlift this right now? Like deadlift yeah. like a normal human being. But it's tough, man. It's tough to learn those movement patterns. Yeah, definitely. All right. Favorite band? Oh, right now? Uh, I'm gonna say Orthodox, which is like a really cool straight edge hardcore band out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I tried. Okay, so I tried. <laughs> Um, I'm not like really familiar with like hardcore, but I tried listening to Jesus Peace because like Jesus I, Peace, they're I so saw good. a lot of people were listening to them that are more into hardcore. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I can see this during deadlifts. So I just want you to know like I'm trying. That's great. That's really great. Jesus Peace is like a, a pretty like heavy band for you to just kind of like dive right in. I'll I could give you right in like there. Some like softer hardcore bands that might be like a I don't do anything. <laughs> want to like send me some recs. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I will for sure. All right, you got one. Um. Yes. Do you see yourself competing again? Mm, I would love to. Yes. Uh. I would. I'm. I mean, 35 is like a master's, so I have four more years, and then I could like hit up AO as a master athlete, which would be super fun. Definitely. I like. I. You don't seem 31 to me at all. So like, I think you could do it. Thank you. Thank yes. you for that. I mean, I don't know what 31 looks like. I don't know any 31 year olds besides you, but like. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right let's wrap it up yeah i have one more if you don't mind yeah um, go for it last question what keeps you going when times are tough or you get down and you don't feel like doing anything what do you what do you call on to keep you going 
Um, uh, I just like mental fortitude. I just know that I'd be happier just getting it done, you know, even if it's going to be tough, like pulling teeth or it's not going to be my favorite workout or it's not going to be my favorite day. You're just like, that's great. You can still find some sort of positivity somewhere. So Dave and I, you know, my partner, we like to eat dinner. And then the question is, is uh, what are you most looking forward to tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So it forces you to then just be like insightful. I think both of us like have a tendency of being somewhat negative. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think some folks are really positive and that's super awesome. But some of us have to work a little bit harder at that, which is okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I always try to take a moment just to like, be like, okay, this is, this is what I'm most excited for tomorrow. Even if it's as minuscule as taking the dog for a walk or, you know, taking your shoes off when you come home from the work day, which, oh yeah, feels so good. Right. So just little things like that, I think would uh, just change your perspective a little bit. No doubt. Yeah, I'm glad that you said like walking the dog because I was just waiting for Bane to be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, so Bane is actually named after one of my hardcore, my like favorite hardcore bands, by the way. Okay, I thought it was Batman. Well, I mean, Dave loves um, Batman. It's one of his favorite comics, so it intertwined like very nicely. Yeah. But I, I always their dog Bane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right well i guess we'll wrap things up thank you so much for your time amanda i i definitely gained a lot from this um and i'm sure the listeners will too it was great perspective and Mm -hmm. i think you have a lot to offer when it comes to perspective and um knowledge and wisdom so so thank you we really appreciate it so yeah of course find you and Uh, projects that you and dave are doing yeah, my my Instagram is like pizza x queen with an underscore. And we can put that. We'll put that in the the description for that episode. Yeah. Tight. And then Dave is a an incredible artist, and he runs a brand called Collapsing Sun, which you can find that on Instagram too. Um, it's like a DIY streetwear brand. So if you're into skating, you're into, uh, you know, looking fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Looking sick AF, um, (laughs) definitely check it out. He does everything his self, like himself from start to finish. It's been a really interesting experience to like learn about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's like, I guess what we're up to. (laughs) It's a lot. Oh, I'm also like trying to start taking clients. Um, Yeah, if you want to learn how to do Olympic weightlifting, I obviously have a full-time job, uh, but that's not forever, right? And so coaching truly is my passion um, and I love weightlifting. So if you belong to Los Campeones or you've been interested in checking it out and want to learn more about a snatcher, clean and jerk, like I'm your gal, let me know. Yeah, definitely look at like the videos on her Instagram and like her lips are so pretty and I'm just like can I slow this one down like I need like a like a internet you know how they have the slow-mo videos of the lips yeah on that you should do it you should do that I would probably be like hypercritical of myself so I'm like too scared (laughs) oh yeah I'm that way too. I watch my things in slow-mo and I'm like, I should not have done that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for your time. 
Yeah. Thank you guys. A great interview. All right. See you later. Probably. Bye. Bye.